You're listening to the Flame Central Podcast, your home for Liberty University Athletics. The Flames are bowl eligible for the third straight season after a comeback victory over North Texas. We'll break down the game. Plus, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl and former longtime NFL scout Jim Nagy joins the show to share his evaluation on Malik Willis and another true-false segment that has the guys all up in arms with me. Now from our studio at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, Here's your host, Emily Austin, with Matt Warner and Rhett McGibbon. All right, guys, the Flames back on track after a comeback win, 35-26 over North Texas. A lot to break down in this one. You know, Malik returns. That was a little scary, but thankfully he came back and looked Pretty good. So, um, and they're saying over there at football that he's good, right? Well, he's I mean, saying he's, good. he's saying he's good. Yeah, he's, he's retweeting. He's tweeting out a yeah. PFF last night. Right. Yeah. Thanks, though. He was saying after the game, they asked him, you know, what about, you know, the foot injury, whatever. And he's like, what foot injury? Yeah. He's like, like, yeah, I'm all good. He said, he said, he said his prayers and he kind of rubbed it and it was good. <laughs> I really need well, to, to get, get my right. prayer. That's what he said. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. what he said. So good for him that he, he seems to be back, but like, Sprayed, yeah, that was frightening. He sprayed it with Windex. Right, right. right. <laughs> that was that was frightening. I mean, he goes out. Number one, you know, the team looked just completely disjointed and, yeah. and energyless oh, early in that game. Then he goes out. Then you're seeing all the reports. Oh, Malik's head in the locker room. Oh, we just saw him load into an unmarked van. Is someone stealing Malik? Right. It was like, has he been kidnapped? And and then, so you're like, you're thinking, man, like this could be bad. This could be, you know, your mind immediately goes to, I mean, are we talking broken foot here? Like I done for know. the year? Like what are you, know, all of that. And then next thing you know, here's start of the second half. It's like, well, there he is again, ready to go. And he looked great. Yeah. I'm a little nervous though, as far as, I don't know if it was the energy and kind of the hangover from the loss, but. I mean, North Texas was one and five going into this game. Right. They have not won a conference uh, USA game this year. They won an FBS game. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just that is concerning to me that if we can't compete, if the Flames can't compete at the level that I mean, what were they? Thirty something point. uh, Well, no, for the UAB game, for the UAB game, and you lose that, so it's just. Joe Yock level of concern. Am I? Am I having? Am I one of those fans that I'm like? Yeah, I mean, the, the level of concern, yeah, North Texas obviously wasn't very good, okay, and they come out and you're on the road again and, and you play flat, which you would have thought you would have learned your lesson from the week before, right. you know, but the bottom line, like, let's let's look at the elephant in the room, and when you watch that game, and I went actually went back and watched, like, highlights and clips and then, you know, just went back and forth, back and forth, and was going to see, like, did they just not know who to block? Or are they just missing blocks? Because there's a big, if you don't know who to block, then that's when you can start pointing a little bit of the little bit of the finger at the coaching staff and preparation, right? Mm-hmm. Or the other part of it is that this is when you don't point fingers at the coaching staff is like, we know who to block. We just can't block them. And, we, and we're getting whipped. And when I went back in the plays I watched, they're just getting whipped. I mean, they've they, they got guys who are off balance, out of position, letting the floodgates through. There's the, the one play where Malik Willis threw the ball underhanded. And, <laughs> oh, and, and the, 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 like the shot put it in the back, yeah, sideline, down the yeah. sidelines. If you go back and watch that play, he had four guys on him. And the first guy, and I went back and, watched, and counted, it took two seconds for the first guy to get there. He's in shotgun. Took two seconds. 
the guard got whipped bad. Yeah. And and when you do that and you're consistently do that, I don't care who you're playing. I don't care who you're playing. If you're getting whipped up front, you're you're gonna put yourselves in a very compromising situation and you have to have a guy like Malik Willis who can bail you out with a play like that. Yeah. And it's just like at some point it's just not fair anymore. Yeah. And you know what it's gonna show up? It's getting ready to show up. Yeah. Like you'll get through games, you'll yeah. get through this week. Yeah. You'll get this through this week. But when grown men start showing up from the South, Southeastern Conference, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you better sure it up well, now right you're now. You're making me even more nervous. Yeah, well, you better, you better, you can fix it. I mean, it's not like they haven't shown they can do it in the past. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, these are these guys are just bad, right? It's not like that. They've shown that they're capable of doing it, blocking the right people and 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 protecting him and and, and all those pieces of the puzzle. But if you don't fix it now, you're gonna get that kid killed. I don't care who you're. The, it's it's a different animal well, you're getting ready to face, and, and they know that. And we talked about even you know earlier in the year, boy, you know he's having to run a lot out yeah. of necessity, yeah, taking some shots. That was a little concerning, and then you saw it especially early in this game. He had no time at all, no. And, and and that then when he gets hurt, you're like, this is this is what we were afraid of. Yeah, I mean it's coming when you take that many shots. It's just I mean, well, and the again, odds are it's coming. You go back to to the run game, the traditional run game, yeah. as you as you've talked about the past couple of weeks. You're not able to get anything going with the running backs, and so defenses don't have to. They don't have to respect that. Correct. You know what I mean? They don't have to respect that at all. At this point, they're like, our sole focus is getting number seven on the ground, and then so what? Okay, you hand it off. Big deal. Like you're running for like three and a half yards of carry. I mean, remember the uh, coach? uh, What was it? The team of Middle Tennessee State defense coordinator said. He said, Liberty's best run play is a pass. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Malik it's like, pass like hey, two-step drop. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Like, that's – you're right. If you have, if you have you know, less athletes than Malik Willis on the field, then, yes, that's a problem, okay? But if you don't have a traditional run game and you can't do that and now you start playing some of these teams you're getting ready to play, you're, it, it just – it's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly. It kind so, of makes you wonder well, what happened. Well, way to stay positive. Because, yeah. well, the personnel hasn't changed. Like, that's the weird thing. And I think that's the biggest difference between, like, you know you have that gut feeling when you watch a game. And last year, the gut feeling was I felt like Liberty could score on 70% of their drives. Like, if we needed a touchdown, it felt like it was going to happen. You right. just had that belief. This year, I'm like, are we going to be able to pull this out? And uh, it all has to do with the fact that, like there's no run game and I'm not blaming the runners on this one. Now, you know, you wonder early on the backs are good. Yeah. So I don't know what's exactly happened to, as you said, the offensive line, like where the dysfunction is, but there is something going on. We'll get to a a interview with Jim Nagy, executive director of the Reese's senior bowl. He'll kind of break down Malik Willis. He's a longtime NFL scout. So he has some good pointers on that, uh, on Malik Willis. So we'll get to that in just a moment, Matt. Well, I was just going to say, we talk about the struggles and, and the negatives, and, and obviously penalties are another one. 11 penalties in that mm. game. Yeah, that was Liberty tough. right now is one of the most undisciplined teams in the country, 113th in the nation in penalties. You, Ouch. Had, you had one when your defense is out there on fourth and one trying to get a stop, and you get the classic disconcerting signals, which yeah. we've all, all, all known well. And then another mm. that you have uh, interception that gets wiped out. So penalties, that's another area. Yeah. And, and Hugh Freeze talked about that in the post game. Just they're too undisciplined. But – on the positive side, Malik Willis and what he did to carry this team yeah. down the stretch. Like, I would say there are some guys out there knowing what he has, we assume, in front of him in his career that may say, you know what? Like, if I'm not 100% right, I don't know if I want to go back in there and risk taking a few more shots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
Like, 100%. I don't know. And and he he did. He went back out there. He laid it on the line. You talk about that the backhand pass down the sideline. That drive, when Liberty's up two points in the fourth quarter, starting on their own three, first of all, he's in his own end zone, about to get yeah. a safety, throws it backwards over his head yeah. to avoid get, getting the <laughs> How safety. How did they not call that a safety? Well, I mean, he got it to the he got said, it to pass the line of scrimmage. He, was out, he yeah, did he was everything out of the he had to do, okay. but it sure yeah. didn't look right. So he does that. Then he gets the backhanded heave down the sideline. He leads them 97 yards for a touchdown in that yeah. situation, given all that had happened the entire game. Like, how can you not admire the guts of the kid to go out there and do what he did there? And then finally you score on a play that I don't think we've seen all year long. The little screen to the running back, like we talk about, yeah, you know, you yeah. get it. Bring that. Bring yeah. that. Like, you get all those defensive lines <laughs> yeah. that are just chomping at the bit. That yeah, slows just them coming. down. Yeah, just give a little screen to Shedro. <laughs> we all kind of look at each other, and I saw, you know, people tweeting like, where did that come from? Yeah. Like that was brilliant. And he goes, you know, 27 yards or whatever it was for the score. Like, so Malik Willis rose to the occasion when they needed him to. Yeah. And so did Demario Douglas with that yeah. punt return. Yeah. Oh, Demario Douglas. That punt return. He, what we always yeah. been saying, what we've been saying, like, he's I love that, that dude. Yeah. Cause he's going to sooner or later, as courageous as he is back to ridiculously courageous yeah. back there, sooner or later, he's going to bust one. Mm -hmm. And I was like, people, why is he catching? Why is he trying to, but well, Hey, just, I love the courage. And, he hit it at the right time. And, what, and you also got to give a shout out to Jonathan Bennett. I mean, for, yeah. for him to come sure. into a game like, whoa, I've been play, I've been in a serious, you know, competitive game in forever. And for him to come in and throw the long ball to see CJ yeah. Daniels, mm -hmm. I believe, right? Yep. And to be able to have them hang in that game, that great job by Jonathan Bennett. He looked good. He did. And I'll say this about Bennett, and maybe it's because running isn't really as much a part of his game running the football. But it seemed like he was more comfortable standing in the pocket, yeah. getting the ball out quick mm -hmm. than Malik had been yeah. earlier in the, that yeah. game. You know, he he there was no hesitation. He was kind of getting through his progressions. Now he wasn't very accurate, and, and that's you know partly you expect that from a guy that right. hasn't played a whole right. lot. But as far as getting the ball out, I think sometimes Malik, because of his athleticism, he thinks he can make a play, holds on to it a little bit longer than he should. Bennett was getting the ball out quick, yep. and that was really good to see. When you when you look at the touchdown pass, as I went back and looked at to, to C.J. Daniels, he drops back in the pocket, sets his feet. Okay, it was like something right out of a you know Ken Austin teaching yeah. textbook yeah. on proper quarterback <laughs> yeah. play that you'll use as a cut up. Sets his feet, gets pressure from the outside, can start feeling it collapse. Does two steps to come forward inside the pocket, resets his feet, and delivers a strike for a touchdown. Like, dude. That that's like see that tell that kid's been working at his craft yeah. as a backup quarterback and it paid off right there. So Bennett that was a great and job. Douglas are both part of my true false segment. Oh. So mm. that's a little mm. tease mm. there. And they are true false, Rhett. I know okay, you're like okay, very, yeah. very yeah. on me about I am. true false or all of the above. Multiple <laughs> choice true false. She's one. Just yeah. answer. Um, we'll get to that Jim Nagy in just a second. But on the defensive side of the ball for the Flames. North Texas had 454 total offensive yards on 95 plays. 95 plays. That's yeah. the most gained Jeez. by a Flames opponent in 2021. So what where are where are we with this Flames defense? You know, because they started out the season so hot. Um Jim, or, Jim. <laughs> Joe. Not Jim Nagy. Oh, Jim just yeah. Jim just called you a second ago. Did he? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's Joe's brother for yeah. those of you. Don't. You'll find We're, out you'll some find stories out more, in yeah, just a more. sec. Where are we at on the, with the defense? You know, here, here's this is the thing that happens, okay? It's like, especially early on, is what happens is defense, everything's new to everybody, 
Okay, so when you start really finding out the really good coaching staffs mm -hmm. is the later you get in the season, the more tape there is to watch. Because the more tape that there is to watch, then you can start looking as a coach on the other for the other team. You can look and say, okay, here's where they're weak. Here's where they're vulnerable. And you don't know that early on as much because you don't have enough tape on people. And so what teams start doing is they start looking to pick apart the pieces of the puzzle. Mm. Here's where they are from a player standpoint where they're a little bit weaker or they don't have the depth maybe. Okay. And then here's where they are from a scheme standpoint. So now where they can be a little bit weaker, we can take advantage of different things. So you start seeing the really good coaching staffs rise to the top as the later you get into the season. And so now from Liberty standpoint, this is a great time to reevaluate where they're at defensively and say, okay, if we're looking at the self scout, if we're looking at it from another team's point of view, where do we need to now make some changes, make some schematic adjustments, make some player adjustments and whatnot in order to sell, to put ourselves in a better position for the, for the end of the season stretch here. I will say this. You saw more of the, old defense, if you will, in that they turned it up in the second half. So mm -hmm. they made adjustments. Yeah. They held them to just six points in Which the second half. Which we're used to. Right. Yeah. The other thing I'll say that's unique maybe about this year for Liberty is their bye week does not come until it's, incredibly late in oh, the year. It's I after know. the Ole Miss game, I right? Know. So you're talking about, what is that, uh, 10 games in before mm -hmm. you get that week where that's a lot a of times time. that's, that's when you do so time. much of your yeah. self-evaluation when you have that week off to do that. You don't really get a chance to do that this season right. until the very end. So that that That's is a, really a challenge as well. But you're right. And one other thing I'll say that we have seen, Rashad Harding has turned in oh, to yeah. a monster yeah. these past two weeks. He he another you know, fifteen tackles his first six games, twenty-eight in his last two. He's been really, really good. A guy who has seen plenty of tape in his time is Jim Nagy. Let's get to that interview. We are now joined by executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl and former longtime NFL scout, Jim Nagy. Jim, I hope you're ready because we have some uh, a whole file of questions that we're going to fire off. First things first, though, we're going to get to the hard, hard-nosed ones. Do you have an unlimited supply of Reese's Cups? What is that? <laughs> we get 400-pound pallets delivered every year. So, uh, oh, not my. just Reese's. It's uh, Kit Kats and and Ooh. Hershey bars and Jolly Ranchers and Twizzlers. So yeah, there's there's an endless supply of candy at this office, and that that really helps get my daughter down down here. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say we have like yeah. an annual Halloween trick or treat thing here at the office, but I guess we just need to make yeah. a field trip down there. Yeah, right. Sounds way Slow better. Um, but I guess it's one of those things when you get them all the time. I don't know if it it gets old. But anyways, let's get to some Malik Willis talk. I'm sure you've spent a good deal of your life looking at film on, on quarterbacks at the college and NFL level. What are your first impressions of Malik Willis? Uh, yeah, they changed a little bit. My first impressions were really live. I hadn't watched a lot of Malik in the past. Um, and then I had a chance to meet Malik this summer at a quarterback camp out in Santa Monica back in June. Um, and again, the first impression is just how big physically he is in my you know and then when I saw him play live at UAB a few weeks ago um like I knew he's a big strapped up looking guy and then to see him play live and I don't know if I've ever had this takeaway from a quarterback just going to a game but with how physically strong he is and how hard he is to get on the ground I mean he's, he's probably as hard a guy 
to get down as, as I can remember since I scouted Ben Roethlisberger coming out of Miami of Ohio. Wow. Um, wow. But no, it was, uh, you know, it was good. It was good to meet him first in June. Um, you know, he really, one of the most impressive things was just, I asked him about how things went down in Auburn. Um, and I didn't have a lot of background with, with what, how things shook down there at Auburn, but just, he was very direct and very, you know, very transparent and, you know, took a lot of, a lot of the responsibility for why he ended up at Liberty. You know, he put that on himself. And I told him then, I said, Malik, answer that question exactly. <laughs> when you get into the pre-draft process, answer that exactly the same, because that's what the NFL scouts are going to want to hear. Um, you know, he, he owned his past and he's, uh, so that was really impressive, but no, there's a lot of things that jump off. I mean, it's, it's doesn't take a, a expert scout to see, you know, the physical tools in Malik, but we've seen a nice jump on tape this year as well. You talk about kind of his skill set a little bit. You know, we do, you know, call a lot of the games here for Liberty. So in prep, we'll talk to different defensive coordinators and we'll say, hey, who does he remind you of? And we've heard this year, everybody from, oh, it reminds me of Michael Vick. He reminds me of uh, Russell Wilson. As you look at him, is there a comp that you can make to, to Malik Willis? And is kind of what he does, is that kind of what we're seeing the future of the quarterback position at the next level? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't scout Michael Vick coming out. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't in my area back when I was, when he was coming out of college. So I, I didn't do Vick. I can see some of that, you know, just with, with the strength and the speed and the arm strength. I, I could see that. Um, I don't see Russell. Um, I had, I, I scouted Russell when he was coming out of Wisconsin and, uh, I don't see that comparison, but, um, you know, I, I would guess Mike, you, you know, maybe Cordell Stewart, mm. um, yeah. But but yeah, those are, those are those are the guys. You know, and again, strength wise, just just in terms of strength in the pocket and you know strength outside the pocket when guys are are, are trying to bring him down. I mean, that's that to me, that's similar to Ben. Hey Jim, this is uh, Joe Yock, brother of Jim Yock, by the way. And uh... oh, Jimmy Yock, <laughs> one of my favorite guys ever. Hey, a question for you: the, When I look at Malik, the one thing that I've, I've thought, well, I guess, well, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna ask you, what what do you feel as if may be the missing part that an NFL guy hasn't seen yet from him? Um, you know, coming into the year, uh, I would have said he didn't he didn't use the whole field. Um, you know, it was a lot of stuff outside. Um, but he's used the middle of the field more this year. I think he's seen the field better this year, and that that would make sense. You know, the game's slowing down for him, and that's only going to happen the more reps you get. Um, you know, he's still pretty, uh, in any, you know, in the big picture, an inexperienced player. Um, you know, so it's it's been nice to see him, you know, use the middle of the field, and and uh, and that to me, that's been the biggest jump on tape is is the, is his ability to just to see it, and it, the game seems to be slowing down. He's He's, he's, that's the thing that stuck out at the UAB game was when he was moving around and, and slinging guys off him and guys were falling off him. Uh, he maintained he maintained his downfield focus, um, and he he wasn't content just you know chucking the ball and running. He wanted to make a play down the field, and again I I didn't always see that last year. So that's been that's been a nice improvement as well. Jim, you had an interesting tweet last night where he was talking about Tua Tagovailoa and, and the fact that Miami. Um, you're wondering how many fans and, and people in that organization wish they had taken Justin Herbert now. And I wonder if you look at, at Liberty with Malik and wonder if there's going to be pressure in a situation again where maybe some teams that are high on Malik say, I don't know, he doesn't have the experience like you said, and he doesn't come from what is it's getting a bigger name, but Liberty's still kind of new on the map. Do you see that happening to Malik where some teams maybe shy off of him just due to where he's come from? 
I don't think so. You know, I, I think that we've all seen these quarterbacks get pushed up. They do every year, and not just not to Malik. I mean, it's, it's across the board. I mean, if you need one, that's the one position where teams usually grab them even before they probably deserve to go. <laughs> um, and that, that tweet last night about, about what, what, you know, the thing with Miami, again, that wasn't – I'm good friends with the head coach down there and the general manager down there. Um, I was just throwing that out there because I've lived that I've lived fan pressure affecting, um, you know, decisions that are made by NFL owners. Um, I've, I've seen firsthand what fan pressure can do to an organization. And I have no knowledge of this. Um, I'm just thinking, I mean, they, they were, they were chanting tank for Tua for two years down there in Miami. So it was, it's just, it's just a personal theory that, you know, if you're an owner and you hear that for two years and you have close evaluations on, in this case, Tua and Justin Herbert, to me, I could, I could see, I'm not saying Stephen Ross did this, I could see a, a scenario where the owner said, guys, if it's close, we're taking the, the guy the fan base wants. So, uh, again, I have no knowledge of how that situation shook down. Um, but that's why I put it out there because fans do have a voice these days. Jim, what do you think is the hardest part about being a scout? And what you what what's something that – from year one of being a scout, that is the biggest difference and lesson you learned from, you know, your position today. Um, for me, back back in 2000, it was knowing where to go. Um, you didn't have – we didn't have smartphones. You couldn't just plug an address <laughs> oh in your phone. Oh, my gosh. I was, I was literally using a road atlas for, like, the first 10 years I was on the job. Um, so that was the hardest part is figuring out, like, first of all, finding the city, then finding the campus. And then finding out where the football office was, you know, so that was that was probably <laughs> the hardest thing. Um, but I'll say this: like to me, the hardest part of scouting is the lifestyle, um, mm. you know. And, and and Jimmy Yawk could get on the air and talk to you about that as well. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one thing, you know, people talk about scouting on on social media and the internet. That's not scouting. That's evaluating. Um, scouting is living the life. Scouting is staying at Fairfield Inns for two hundred nights <laughs> a year. Being being be away being away from your wife and kids and um, just the stress of the job. And again, it's a job we all love to do or you wouldn't do it. I mean, I get, I used to get asked that all the time. Like if I was on an airplane watching tape and discussion came up, Hey, what are you doing? Uh, I said, well, I, you know, I scout for the such and such team. And, and they're like, do you, you know, you, do you love it? I'm like, if you didn't love it, you wouldn't do this job. So we all love it. Nobody's, no, nobody's belly aching about, about the job, but there are great demands. Um, when you're on the road that much and away from your family, that's, that's not great quality of life. Um, but, but we love to do it, and that's, that's why scouts do it. But that would, be, that would be the hardest part. Hey, Jim, to piggyback off that, I'm pretty sure you've heard this story about my brother when he went to the, check the hotel to go to, I think it was like UL Monroe or something like that, and he said, how far to the university? And the lady at the front desk said, you're about six hours away. Oh, <laughs> he, no. he got oh, on the wrong plane with the plane, took him to the wrong way. He got on the wrong plane and ended up being six hours away yeah. from the next morning, didn't even know it. That's when you know you've traveled too much. Oh my god! That yeah, uh, Jim. Jim's never shared that story with me. Oh, it's a great one. It's a great one. Sure, he didn't want it shared either. Yeah. What's your craziest story? Like maybe on the road or just your craziest scout story? Oh, I don't know. I mean, maybe going back to again about the job not being real glamorous. Um, so my first year on the road, I'm like 26 years old. I don't have two nickels to rub together and I was working for the Washington football team. And at the time they didn't give us company credit cards. So I was, 
I was living off my own bank account, which wasn't, um, again, I was living paycheck to paycheck at that time. I remember being in Seattle for the first time and wanting to go up in the Space Needle, and it was like eight bucks or 12 bucks. And I didn't have enough money in my account to go up to the Space Needle. And, you know, I'm working for an NFL franchise, and I don't have enough money to go up in the Space Needle. So, um, you know, thank thank God I'm I'm out of that place financially right now. (laughs) We'll get you up to the Space Needle. (laughs) Yeah. Last question for me. For fans of Liberty, everybody all season long has been looking towards that Ole Miss game, right? That's the most high-profile game on the schedule. But as a scout and evaluator looking at Malik Willis, how important is that one game against SEC competition? Or do we put too much on that that single timeout? Um, no, it's important. I mean, that'll be the game that, that all the scouts grab and want to look at first, um, just because it'll be the fastest defense he plays. It'll probably be the biggest atmosphere he plays in. Um, that'll be Bill. I mean, I, you guys can probably share with me <laughs> what Malik's status is health-wise. I hope he's healthy enough to play that game. But you know, that's going to be billed as, as Malik versus Matt Corral. Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's a big-time quarterback matchup. So, you know, when you, when you talk about, you know, the pressure situations and, and hostile environments, I mean, that's, that's probably going to be the biggest one Malik will have. And, and that will be the game that every, every scout will put in first. So there's a little pressure there to perform. Um, but you got to look at a player's entire body of work, you know. And then, and then in the pre-draft process, you know, getting Malik down here to the Senior Bowl, that'll be another stage for him to perform under pressure. Um, so, no, that, that's actually a game I'm thinking about driving up to Oxford and taking it. Even though I've seen Malik play um, a couple weeks ago at UAB, another, another scout from our staff saw him play at Troy earlier this year. Um, but I'm, I think there's a good chance I'll be up there. If, he, if he's ready to go, if he's going to play in the game, I, I'd yeah. like to make my way up to Oxford for that one. For our Flames Nation, can you just explain um, what what's going on this year at the Reese's Senior Bowl? You guys have anything new? It's going to be a fun year. You know, last year we were the only we were the only event in the pre-draft process that actually went down. Oh, that's um, you know, right. They didn't have, all the other all the other All Star games canceled. The NFL Combine canceled. So we did what we could do in terms of stripping away all the other events we have in the week. We just focused on practice and the game, and we created a bubble. Um, we, we administered over 3,600 COVID tests, you know, every day, the NFL guys got tested every day. Our players got tested every day. Our support staff got tested every day. Um, so we did a lot of things to ensure safety and and thank goodness we only had one positive test out of that 3,600 plus. Um, but this year we really look forward back to a normal year, which uh, for us is, is bringing our events back. So we have a really cool Mardi Gras parade with the players where they're wearing their, where they're wearing their college stuff. Um, and they're throwing autographed footballs to the crowd. And, and you know, Mobile is the home of Mardi Gras. Oh, it's yeah. not New Orleans. We, we've got a little more of a PG to PG-13 um, version <laughs> of Mardi Gras here. And uh, a little more fa- a little more family friendly. Um, but, yeah, and then we've got a concert right after we, we bring a couple of the players up to, to introduce the band. I think a couple of years ago we had Justin Herbert up on, this, up on the stage. So we're ready to announce our band pretty soon. We got, we got a band locked in um, last, last time. Last time out, there's about 20,000 people downtown Mobile for that wow. parade and that concert. Uh, you know, so they're bringing back a lot of those events will be fun. Um, and we're, we're looking forward to that. And last year, because of COVID, we were at a quarter capacity at the stadium, which it's a 25,000 seat, brand new $75 million stadium out at the campus at South Alabama. But we were at a quarter capacity last year, like 62, 6,300, somewhere in that range. So it'll be fun. We've, we've never packed that thing. So we'll have a sellout this year, be able to tailgate. We had to, you know, there's no tailgating last year. So 
just and it, and it was a great event last year. Like game day was incredible in the new stadium. There was a, there was an awesome vibe there. Um, but the, we're we're really looking forward to selling that thing out and creating a, a big time atmosphere for these players. Awesome. Well, Jim Nagy, thanks so much again for your time. Maybe we'll get you on the podcast closer to the NFL draft to talk a little bit more Malik and, and break down the rest of his season in a couple months. Yeah, I would love to. Appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome. Take care. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Love having someone on the show that actually has had so much experience watching film. I'm not, this is not a knock on you, Why are you looking at Joe? Why are you looking at me? I'm kidding. No, but I I feel like a guy like Jim Nagy who has so much experience as an NFL scout, it's having the internet and everyone is just making their comments and, and quote unquote evaluations on these players. It must be so frustrating for a guy like him to see all that. I might. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I mean, it's like like for anybody. It's like, you think you know? You You don't know. You have no idea. You haven't lived in a Fairfield Inn. What do you know? (laughs) That's right. No, but even like accurately evaluating a player. Like people think that they can just do that online now and and you're like a pro. But I'll say this. I, 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 when in listening to him talk, it was the question that, when what I've been saying this from the beginning was, can Malik Willis stand in the pocket in a pressure situation? and lead his team down the field, not using his legs. Because in the NFL, he's not going to get away with that. It's just not – he will be able to use his legs at times. going to help, but you got to be able to stand in the pocket, have the confidence to deliver the ball. And so it was really good to hear Jim say, like, hey, I really seen him progress as a quarterback in his full field reads and be able to throw the ball down the middle of the field now and be able to stand in the pocket. That's – because I've always felt like – and I and honestly, for me personally – I still think that is the missing piece of the part for, but, for Malik but Willis. But how hard is that to evaluate right now? Right now it's hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. if you're getting protection, there's one thing. That's what you look for. It's like you, him as a quarterback, if he's protected and he stands in the pocket and there's somebody open and he's like, you know what? I don't, I don't have the confidence to make that throw. I'm just going to scramble out and use my legs. And so he, he, he's had to scramble out and use his legs because he has no other choice. Yeah. And so that's what's making it really difficult. So you'd like to see him down the stretch of the offensive line, sure some things up, let Malik Willis stand in the pocket and make those throws. I 100% believe that he has the confidence to do so. Quick uh, senior bowl story. I went down there a couple of years ago for AGG's draft year. Mm-hmm. It's a great time. It's a lot of fun to go down there. I'd say fans, if you want to go down and just watch some of the elite talent in college football, you should go. Now, here's the funny bit. We were out in the field, and I'm sitting there, and uh, our guy Donald texts me. He's like, look behind you. And I'm like, I was trying to work on our story, like to put it out that night on AGG. I'm like, I don't have time for this, Donald. And all of a sudden I hear this voice behind me like, wah, 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 wah. I'm like, that does, who, who is that? That does sound familiar. So I kind of do like the old, like, you know, peek behind me. Bill Belichick is like literally sitting oh, right behind wow. me yeah. talking with all this boys. That's, like, oh, that's kind of funny. He's like, he's like, oh, we're getting off that Brady guy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. like, you may want to rethink yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. 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 All right, so let's get to the true-false segment. And these, I, I don't agree with these. I'm just throwing them out there for you guys. She t- yeah, she just Jonathan Bennett, herself. Exactly. Jonathan Bennett would have led the Flames to victory on Saturday. Ooh. Uh, you know what? I think so. Especially if you can, it, well, if you consider that you also still get that punt return from Demario Douglas. <laughs> yeah, I think so. The well, defense, the way the defense was playing, uh, they were moving the football. They had a couple of opportunities. I don't Jonathan missed one wide open, you know, yeah, touchdown CJ throw to, to CJ Daniels. I think in the second half he would have had a chance to kind of go into the locker room, settle down a bit. And yeah, I think he still. What was the score? What was the score when when Malik threw the ball over his shoulder out of the end zone? Uh, they were Liberty was up two with the ball, so that drive uh, was ended up putting them up 
nine. Well, that was the final score, right? Yeah. So he went. So he threw the ball crazy backwards. Converts a third down. Makes the shovel pass. Yeah. The crazy pass for first down. They go on to score. So the answer to your question, Emily, is false. Okay. Mm. I'm going to say true. I'm actually going to jump on Matt's bandwagon here. I think he would have gone into the locker room, settled things down. That would have been a tough spot. But I think the way he was playing, he could have done it. No knock on Jonathan Bennett at all. But if if that was him at quarterback, that was a safety. And you don't think they're, they're, could do the old behind-the-back slinger? <laughs> like, there's not many guys at all in college football <laughs> that would do the old yeah. back behind. Yeah. And, and have a the, have yeah. the no for all to be able to yeah. do all that. So that's a safety. The game's tied. You're punting the ball to them. All the momentum's back in their favor. They go on. Liberty goes on to score. Malik Wells makes the crate. There is only one dude who can make those plays. Period. Demario Douglas, one day in the future, will be drafted higher than C.J. Daniels. Wow, well, this is oh, that's a dumb question. I don't like that. Like, I, <laughs> hey, you know what, so Matt and Emily's defense, Emily, I'm going to offend you. I'm going to offend you. Hey, Matt, guess what? It's true or false. Yeah, Answer the yeah, question. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't know. Thank Their you. careers are so there's so much still to come. I'll just say false. But here's what I'll say. Demario Douglas, I don't know if I've said this before. He's Peter Warwick like. Do you is, remember him yeah, at Florida great State? Call. In the his ability to just change direction, yeah. stop and start so quickly. Not a big guy, neither was How Peter big Warwick. is Demario Douglas? He's five nine. Peter Warwick was five eleven. Yeah. So he's a little smaller. Uh Demario's five nine. That's what he's listed at. Are we sure? <laughs> but but his ability, he had the one catch in this game where he did that same thing, gets the sideline, just oh, yeah. throws on the brakes, and you see two guys just go flying by, yeah. and then he you know goes upfield. He is so electric and just so shifty. You know who? Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Ryan. Well, can you repeat? I'm sorry. Demario Douglas will yeah. be drafted higher, like a, ahead of CJ Daniels. I'm, I'm not saying in the same. I don't even know. Are they in the CJ same Daniels? draft? They well, technically they're know. both still freshmen. I know yeah. it's so. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna say COVID false. COVID and redshirt. I'm like so confused. Just due purely to the reason of how scouts look at size. That's, yeah. that's that's my that's thought. why yeah how big is yeah. cj daniels like six two six yeah. three yeah. and i'll cj he needs daniels to put on weight but has been great this season he he's really so has good. like good. under the radar you know we talk seven every touchdowns week. I think yeah now for him this year yeah. yeah we talk about pop and we talk about willis each and every week cj's got to be in that conversation because if it wasn't for him this past game that's an l yeah like, he has been absolutely fantastic can i get the answer um <laughs> i'm gonna go with false too okay. but however you know what you said about peter Wark. And then it hit me. You know who um, Demario Douglas reminds me of? Who's that? Ryan Switzer. Ah, uh, yeah. Ryan oh, Switzer yeah, 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 from yeah. Carolina. Small yeah. guy. Yeah. You know, not big, but yeah. had that stop and go, yeah. that stutter move, and yeah. make people miss real quick. And you know, Ryan's yeah. still playing in the NFL. He's you know, but that. But you look at how like Ryan Switzer was an All American punt returner and a very very productive par- player at Carolina. And look at him now. He just he's still on a roster, right? But he's had some injuries and different things happen. But those. Guys who are really small, Sorry. it is not easy. If there's a reason why you see them drafted later, yeah, it's, it's hard. Okay, you can tack on your UMass um, okay. to this question, but the UMass game will be the Flames' last win this season. Oh no! Uh, oh my goodness! I don't. I make these false. up, but I'm not agree. I'm false. not saying okay. that's. Well, wait. Let's go through the false. schedule so real they, quick. They, After UMass, who do you have? Yeah. Ole Miss, yeah. Louisiana, Louisiana Army. Army. Which, by the way, do you see that that's Army? You see those stats from Army? Oh, Wake Forest, unbelievable. It's like over 1,200 yards Simply of offense. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, crazy. No, yeah. they're gonna get another win. They're gonna get another win, but. It starts with UMass, where Liberty, 38-point favorite, apparently, is what they opened. Doesn't oh, that seem crazy? I well, mean, 38. I know it's UMass. I mean, they just lost to Florida State, like, what? Right. UMass 40... is – They have the worst scoring defense in the nation. They give up 44 a game. They're 1-6 <laughs> on the year. They're 2-22 and 22 over their last three years. They're not good. 
They're not very Liberty, good. Hopefully, I this think their is, one win is UConn. Uh, hopefully, this <laughs> and it was is against your the basketball team. Get right game. Surprised yeah. the Sun Belt didn't offer right. them. Yeah. <laughs> this is your get right Surprise game. Surprised the Sun Belt didn't. Uh, we haven't even talked about the conference yeah. Yeah, exactly. rumors and all that. Uh, we do. Boy. I don't even know if we have time for that uh, in this show today, but. It's kind of all speculation, so we'll dive into that more when we have more insight. But true or false, the UMass is the last win. Whew. Those those last three are are going to be tough, but I'm going to say the Flames are – Yeah, no, I'm going to say false. They're going to find a way to win win one or two of those. I'm going to say false, too. He, he keeps talking about how this is a group of fighters, and they grit yep. it out, and I think they'll definitely be able to grit out one more. And you finally get that bye week. Yeah. Bye week for those huge. last two games. Yeah, you know? Like, I kind of wanted to mention this on the defensive aspect when you guys were talking about earlier. This the unit's banged up. Yeah, like there is a lot of injury. So yeah. the depth that that group had going into the season, which was so huge, is now depleted. I uh, wish uh, that we had that bye week the week before. I almost Ole Miss. wonder. Right. I almost wonder. Let's ask if they can switch. You <laughs> UMass is awful. Yeah, awful. <laughs> no, we don't wonder. Well, about you're wearing that. their okay, colors. Yeah. I am wearing their colors, but so and so are you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> However, I'm wondering with just like what Rhett's saying there, with all the injuries, all the people banged up, how many people will Coach Freeze sit out this week? Because I mean, you're 35 points, so almost kind of create you, a yeah, it's like pseudo buy, a yeah. pseudo buy week yeah. where you where you rest a rest point. a lot of, a lot of guys that need some rest right Maybe now. Maybe if Malik is his foot is yeah. hurting, then you I don't just think I don't JB think they'll play. go that far. But I think the hope is, which we've said with some of these other games, that hasn't worked out. The hope is at halftime. You can say, yeah. "Hey, Malik, great job. Yeah. Go ahead and hit the shower, yeah. sweet." Well, it's not. It's and it's a lot of your key guys. Like how many yeah. of these offensive linemen who are getting whipped? Well, yeah, right. they, 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 they just they're banged up. Yeah, you know, like who 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 else? Not necessarily Malik. It's like you have a lot of role players that are beat up right now, and they need they need some time to recuperate. All right, guys, great insight. Hopefully, we're breaking down another victory next Monday. Thanks for listening.